right. Welcome back to Rise to Liberty podcast. Today we have a special treat. It is debate time. Uh, it is going to be little government, minarchy versus ANCAP, no government. Um, I think they'll do a better job of explaining exactly what their positions are. But uh, starting out first, I would like to uh, just mention today's sponsor real quick. It is Nado Shave Company. They have the balls to sponsor this program. I'm not sure how wise that is, but they still do. It is without a doubt the best shave you can get. I absolutely hate shaving. My skin gets all irritated at the sight of a razor, but this is incredible. One blade safety razor. It's a veteran owned family operated and you just can't beat it. They actually give a shit about their customers. So go visit nadoshaveco.com. Use promo code RISE15 for 15% off your order. Nado Shave Company, where tradition beats modernity. So thanks to those guys for that. So let's just jump into this real quick. Um, if you guys want to introduce yourselves and then the position that you're starting from, we'll just kind of take it from that. Uh, Liquid, if you want to go first. Sure. Uh, so I am Liquid Zulu. I run the uh, Liquid Zulu YouTube channel, and uh, I'm going to be defending the position of uh, anarchism in this debate. So I think um, for some backstory, basically, uh, oop, uh, hopefully he's going to be able to come back. But uh, yeah, so for some backstory is um, uh, Roger on Twitter was saying that uh, Hopper was basically like a poison to the minds of uh, libertarians. And uh, that um, uh, he would he was looking for Hoppians to debate, uh, so I offered to debate him on one thesis of Hoppers, which is uh, anarchism versus his uh, minarchism. And uh, yeah, so I'm taking up the anarchist side of that. All right. Well, good to have you, um, Roger. Want to introduce yourself and your position? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Can hear you loud and clear. Okay, perfect. Excellent. So, yeah, look, uh, to most people, uh, I would probably come off as an anarchist. What government should look like. Uh, oh. So, in case anybody doesn't know, Roger's actually driving right now, so his uh, connection can be spotty at times so roger i'm not sure if you can hear me you were cutting can you out hear there, me now so, yep just okay fine. cool yeah perfect so I, I guess my position is would sound radical to the average person but to an anarchist i sound like a statist because i believe that we should have some level of government uh it, it's a radical idea i know to anarchists but i think that military police and courts are something that's a net benefit to society if what our goal is to do is to protect liberty, uh, it's not enough to simply say that we believe uh, that, uh, you know, that uh, life rights and property are worthy of uh, protecting, but we actually have to have the systems in place in order to do that. I don't see how we can do that without those institutions. And that's my position. All right. I think, I think that's a, a pretty good starting point. So, I guess we'll just run with the question, do we need government? Uh, and if we need government, what is the benefit of that government 
uh, why and why not? Uh, Roger, if you want to take that one first. Yeah, I think it's quite simple. So uh, if, if you get back to this uh, concept of uh, these Lockean principles of uh, life, rights, and property, we have to think about, okay, well, what are we going to do to ensure that those things are protected? And uh, I, I would imagine that the arguments against this is that government's done a bad job of doing this. Um, the, but the question is, is what would you compare that to? The lawlessness of not having courts, the lawlessness of not having police, the lack of protection of not having a military to defend against uh, enemies that do not share your values of life, rights, and property. So I think that in order to be able to protect those rights, you have to have those systems in place. And what we should be striving for is how do we optimize those systems to make sure that they do just that? No more, no less. I would say um, uh, on this point of uh, do we need a government, um, definitely not. Um, it's just a general rule of economics that uh, the free market can more efficiently provide any sort of good. Uh, you can imagine this rule isn't it doesn't particularize on uh, any sort of type of good it's any good and i mean uh, the minarchists sometimes they'll go into like well it's not doesn't apply for public goods but the minarchists accept that the free market can indeed uh, provide public goods they understand that the free market can provide things like roads and stuff it's just for this one specific area that the minarchist thinks there's something different um and uh, roger was anticipating that perhaps my argument would be that the government does a bad job at this i think um I would actually go far stronger than that. I think the government are the criminals that we need protection from. It's not just that they are incompetent at protecting us from criminals, they are themselves the criminals uh, that we need defense from. So that's like a, a, a rights infringing protection agency, just a contradiction in terms. And exactly how would you take that, Roger? Yeah, no, I, I, I understand that position. Uh, I, I've heard it many times. And I think philosophically, um, I understand where people are coming from when they say that, uh, you know, that, that, that somehow uh, if, if we were to rid the world of governments, uh, that, that, uh, that, that everything is going to be better. And as, as someone that does embrace the free market, uh, I, I do think that the, the free market does provide in terms of competition uh, for many, many things. But the one thing that I would I would hesitate towards, um, uh, you know, instituting is the competing nature of, you know, people will talk about uh, competing security agencies or how would competing militaries work if, if uh, you know, if what we're trying to do is establish a society that has a standard. And if we could uh, agree upon and hopefully we can. Uh, the standard is protecting life, rights, and property. If that were the standard we're looking to protect, what if the security agencies and the military apparatuses that were competing with each other didn't agree upon that standard? And based on whose authority do they have to institute a new standard? And that's the, that's the thing that we have, to, we have to ask ourselves is, do we have an agreed upon standard? And if we do, then these competing agencies uh, where where are they bound in, in in terms of defending that standard? You're going to need an arbiter in the case of disputes. Now, I, I would imagine that I'll hear that we could do that privately. I'd love to hear some of those examples. It's going to sound to me, though, that when we hear the description, 
we're going to describe something that's very similar to what we have today in terms of somebody's going to do policing. Somebody is going to uh, 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 try to hear a case and somebody's going to ultimately make a decision. I feel like we've already figured that out in terms of the laws that we have. And, and if you think that a private market would do it, I'd like to understand how these competing agencies can unify under one standard if there's no central authority that, that's, that says that this is the, the standard that we've agreed upon. Like, for example, and here'd be the question, what happens if you have ANCAPs on one side and you have ANCOMs on the other side? Who's right in those disputes over something like property? One makes the claim that property is theft. The other says that property rights are essential. You're going to need somebody to handle that dispute. I would say that's called a judge. I would say in uh, the the dispute between the ANCOM who thinks that property is theft and the ANCAP who thinks that uh, property is not theft, uh, we can definitely just say that the ANCOM is entirely incorrect there because theft means uh, theft, uh, stealing somebody's property. So property itself can't be theft. It's a stolen concept. They've stolen the concept of theft, which relies upon the prior definition of property, which they are trying to deny the validity of. And um, so the standard thing, the standard is objective law. I think there's an objective, natural legal theory that jurists can explicate. Uh, and, you know, philosophy, philosophers have been doing this for a while now. You know, Murray Rothbard, he has, he isn't saying uh, it's the NEP because we all agree that it should be the NEP. No, no, no. It's the NEP because that's objectively how you should be resolving conflict. So the standard we want um, would be with that objective legal body, which is then applied by competing firms. Uh, we don't want a standard with respect to the enforcement of rights, which was what was suggested uh, prior. It, we, we, just as we don't want a standard with how your food is provided and who provides it and what methods they use, right? We, we don't want a standard there. We don't want a one-size-fits-all solution. Maybe I have very specific security concerns and I want to put a lot of money into my security. And th this is just something that a Minarchist state could never capture because they, they, they suffer from... Uh, the, the economic calculation problem. So I suppose um, I'll, I'll, I'll turn that question on to you, Roger. How, how exactly, how much rights enforcement is the state going to be providing to each person? Like, is it giving each person a tank and three handguns? Is it putting an armed guard out on every like street corner? Or is it just like having a recurrent, really incompetent system? Like how, how much rights is it, how much resources is it putting towards the enforcement of people's rights? How does it determine this in a non-arbitrary way? Right. How, how basically how are you resolving the ECP here? Yeah, well, interesting that you bring up the ECP because I don't believe the, the ECP applies here because we're not talking about uh, setting prices. What we're talking about uh, is something that's closely related to that, which would be the knowledge problem. And I think that uh, it, that, that begs a good, a good question of what what uh, what would you ask this police agency, whether private or government ran? What would you ask them to do? And I, I think that where you and I would probably find some agreement here is that we don't want people to, you, you shouldn't hurt people and you shouldn't take their stuff. I think that's a pretty basic thing that's, uh, that's commonly agreed upon between anarchists and minarchists. Uh, but, but when you're asking, uh, you know, what would the state provide? What I would be looking for is that if we agree that you shouldn't hurt people and we take a crime like murder, let's just use that. If somebody murders someone, we need to be able to investigate the truth claim about did a murder take place? If, if, if we're accusing somebody, how do we determine innocence or guilt? And you have to have an authority 
that 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 is uh, that is responsible for making that 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 decision about innocence and guilt. Because you and I will agree that, that I, I would imagine that murder is, uh, should be outlawed, whether it's uh, uh, whether whether it's in uh, you know with no government or uh, you know with uh, uh, you know even with an authoritarian uh, regime. You would you would think that we would agree at the very at the very least that murder is bad. And if we're going to do that, then we have to be able to say, how do we prove that somebody murdered somebody? And then what do we do about that? And I, I don't understand how these competing agencies that might have different thoughts about this are going to be able to reconcile this. It, imagine if you have a judge that doesn't believe that murder is, is, is bad. Or what if you had uh, what, what if you have uh, this this well-funded private security agency? That can buy the judge. Where's the entity that can protect against that? I, I, I think we, we we have to think about who do they get their authority from, and we have a concept that uh, you know that government should be held accountable uh, to the consent of the governed. I mean, just right off uh, the bat, you're, you're concerned about a security agency buying off a judge and controlling the judge's decisions, but that's exactly the system you propose. You're proposing that it's all one entity that you have one big entity which is doing all of the defense and it's doing all of the arbitration and all of the decisions are coming from this entity. Um, your, your, your reduction of my argument is the argument you're making, right? Um, so it's, uh, and then you ask, what if a judge thinks murder isn't bad? Well, this judge is incorrect, right? Because it's not the judge's job to come up with law. It's, it's not their, their job to decide what is guilt and what is innocence. It's their job to apply an objective body of law, which can be explicated by legal theorists, right? That is that is the job of the judge. So, how are you determining innocence or guilt? Uh, you you claim that we need a, we we need an authority to do this. This is false. We need epistemology. Truth does not come from the say so of some authority. It's it's true whether or not the authority recognizes its truth or not. Uh, that that is not how you validate any other truth claim. You don't validate whether or not gravity exists by saying, well, we need to have some sort of authority on this to decide whether or not gravity exists. No, you just go out there and investigate it, right? Um, and you, you also claim that the ECP doesn't apply here. It's rather the knowledge problem. Uh, this is false. The ECP applies wherever you have a single will directing the factors production. Here you have a single will directing all of the factors production in the uh, rights enforcement industry, right? So it's not complete socialism, I agree there. Uh, but you still do have this one will who is deciding where all the tanks go and where all the guns go and uh, every everything like that. That is still a single will directing those factors of production within this industry. So you still have the economic calculation problem. Yeah, I, we're going to have to uh, agree to disagree there because, again, uh, the economic calculation problem speaks specifically to uh, the uh, how the knowledge problem applies to setting pricing. And so I, I, I still don't know where, where where pricing comes into this. It's a very specific thing. But I, I don't think we should get bogged down on the details of that because I think you and I uh, would agree that, uh, that central planning has its downside. Uh, and, and the downside is, is that when you start interfering into a market, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's problematic, uh, not just because of pricing, uh, and knowledge, uh, but, but, uh, th that you're also encroaching on the rights of others and you're making decisions around, uh, you, you know, specific regulations that govern business. I would personally like to see in, in, uh, in a minarchist society, uh, and this is where I would probably differ from most minarchists. I don't want the government involved in the market at all. 
like I said, the only three uh, things that I think government's purpose should be is to provide uh, protection against uh, foreign foes uh, in, in terms of a military uh, enforcement of, of, uh, of, of agreed upon uh, laws. And then, uh, and then the adjudication of those things. So again, uh, I, I would put the ECP aside. But if you disagree, I, 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 I think outside of this conversation, I'd love to uh, understand how you're, uh, how you get there with, uh, you know, with the ECP. But I, I, I do appreciate that uh, your grievance about central planning is uh, noted and agreed that uh, it, it has its inefficiencies. Right, but the, I, I, I'm definitely still saying that it applies in this debate, right? Uh, so the way you get to uh, there is no prices, right? That, that's that's the central problem is that you don't have this uh, this price mechanism. You don't know whether you're being efficient or inefficient is because you have no competition within this industry. Uh, they're not buying and selling factors, right? They just have the factors that they have and they can just take whatever factors they want. They don't have to pay for any of this shit, right? So they don't have any factor prices. There is no trading of the tanks and the bombs and nuclear weapons. So there are no factor prices. So therefore, they can't. They still can't do profit or loss calculations. Uh, they they can't determine whether they're being inefficient with their allocation of resources. Uh, so they can't economize, right? That is the ECP in a nutshell. Yeah, and again, uh, you know, we, we can go, we can do this circle all day if you if you prefer to do it. But um, because it, to your own admission, there is uh, there, there is no pricing that we're talking about. Uh, the you know the, the 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 calculation problem is not the issue; it's the knowledge problem. But again, we, we can do this dance all day. Well, what I, I would like to pose a question here to hopefully keep the conversation moving. So the the one thing that I see as being the problem uh, with government is it, it takes away the incentive to actually deliver on any promises that they make. So but I also see how it could possibly work that way in an ANCAP or an anarchist society. So uh, if both of you want to take a minute to explain exactly how would the incentive in what you're proposing, um, how, how would that look in any of these societies? Well, I'd say in the ANCAP when it's pretty clear that uh, you have a very direct monetary incentive to deliver on what you said you're going to do um otherwise you know there'll be all these other insurance firms which are going to come after you for uh reneging on your contracts and everything uh you have if like the best way to make a pizza restaurant is definitely not to take people's money and then never give them the pizza right even if you don't have uh some security agency knocking on their door that's just nobody's going to go to that fucking pizza restaurant they're going to say don't go to that pizza restaurant it's a scam right that's you're not you're not going to make very much money there uh, you know, McDonald's didn't decide, hmm, I know what, I know how we can make money. Let's just take people's orders and then just never give them the food. Now, that'll be great. Word of mouth will spread like wildfire. We'll, we'll, we'll be having punters lined out the door. It's like, yeah, clearly that's not going to happen, right? So there's a very large incentive there to actually provide the product promised. Whereas with government, there's no incentive. They don't even know whether they're not delivering the product promised because they have the ECP. They don't know this, right? Yeah, I, so I, I would argue that uh, you know it becomes an, a, an example of uh, rational self-interest. Uh, again, with with what I'm arguing in support of, 
you would have a rational self-interest to be to defend your standard of living, your uh, the, the standard in which you want to regulate your society. Uh, and, and, and that would be against foreign threats. So uh, the military has their incentive to make sure that you are, uh, you, you know, that you're protecting uh, your, your very existence and, and, and your belief system from from an invader that may that may want to imprison you, may want to kill you, may want to slaughter you. And so those incentives are pretty clear. That's just rational self-interest. When it comes to policing, when it comes to uh, the court system, it's the same thing. We have a vested interest in making sure that if, uh, again, if we're agreeing that life, rights, and property is what we want to protect, then the incentive is that we do that and we do that properly. And and I I believe that, you know, in a a more optimal world, we wouldn't necessarily need uh, police stations the way that, uh, you know, that that, that they're uh, developed now where you have a mayor that selects a police chief. I actually prefer the sheriff model where you actually elect the sheriff. And if the sheriff's not doing a good job, you can replace the sheriff. I think that's a far better model. And then everybody's uh, operating in their own rational self-interest. The voters voting for their sheriff, the sheriff that wants to keep their job, and all of the deputy sheriffs that want to keep their, uh, their, their, their society protected and upholding that standard that they're sworn to protect. I'd say just real quickly to that, if you're electing the sheriffs in your monarchist uh, society, uh, what you're going to have is you're going to have Hoppe's problem with uh, democracy uh, cropping up, which is, I suppose, parsimonious given the whole uh, beginning to this was a disagreement over Hoppe. Um, uh, so if you if you are electing the sheriff, uh, what he's incentivized to do, uh, you know, he could be out next term, right? He's incentivized to try and reap as much in the short run as he possibly can. And he's incentivized to maybe the majority of people in this uh, minarchist state are white and they really dislike black people. Well, if he wants to get that vote, he's going to say, well, what we can do is we can legalize slavery again and I will enforce all of this slavery and I'll stop the runaway slaves. And it's like, yeah, great. We'll put the rubber stamp on that. And, you know, the 13 percent or like 50 percent, uh, you know, like low numbers of black people in this society. Um they're, they're not going to be able to win that vote. And they, they don't have any protection because we have a monopoly protection agency. Whoops, it daisies, right? That's that's not very good. So I would just, I would just really deny the premise, uh, the implicit premise here, that if you have a democratic vote over something, that, that somehow makes it justice. Uh, that justice is not determined by agreement of the majority or by the will of some authority or anything like that. Justice is uh, natural and objective. Right. So how, how are you resolving this issue with uh, vote having this incentive for the sheriff to grub up votes at the expense of justice? Yeah, well, I, I think the problem with what you just outlined is uh, is the understanding on on how uh, on what the role of a sheriff would be. Uh, a sheriff doesn't uh, create the laws. The sheriff enforces the law. And, and so, uh, again, you, you would you would uh, you would be hiring a sheriff to enforce the existing laws, not to not to make them. And, and so I, I think that's the problem in the argument that you're making. So it, if you want to if you want to revise your argument, I can respond to it. But the argument that you're making was uh, was one that was, uh, you know, uh, v- very much uh, uh, you know, not rooted in any reality of an argument that you or I would be advocating for. Right. So maybe uh, even even for the sheriff, then uh, he could just say, "Well, I'm just not going to enforce uh, any of these uh, laws against killing black people." 
It, yes. So, so this is true um, that you could have a uh, malevolent sheriff. This is true. Uh, we see this in fiction. We see this in reality. Um, my, I guess my question I would throw back to you would be uh, a private security agency that's hired by the same society that uh, would be voting in a sheriff. If the will of those people that uh, that are then instead of voting with their uh, with with their with their vote, uh, but voting with their uh, with their resources in terms of hiring a security agency, how do you fend that off? Well, because war is very expensive. You no longer have this monopoly agency which is doing all of the protection. You have a bunch of agencies, so the black people can have their own agencies. They can also subscribe to agencies, and then you've got very quickly all-out civil war which is a much harder prospect than just the government saying, yeah, we're washing our hands of the situation, just do whatever you want to those blacks, right? That's, uh, lynch mobs are far easier in the monopoly agency world. Yeah, no, you're making an interesting point. And, and I actually, I have to say, this is probably one of the funner conversations I've ever had with an anarchist, uh, because I, I can tell that you've put a lot of thought into this. And, and with that, I would love to hear your answer to... Uh, what would happen if 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 we did institute uh, these anarchist ideas to to prevail? Um, the majority of anarchists globally are ancoms, and 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 so in these competing agencies, what if the best funded, uh, most resourced, uh, and most supported by the masses was a security agency? that uh that supported uh anarcho-communism would would that raise any concerns for you with your less well-funded uh uh ancap uh security agency it would certainly raise concerns and that's why i'd be wanting to uh be well defended be be somewhere holed up where uh they perhaps can't get me but yes at the end of the day if uh, 99 percent of people think that it's uh just a-okay for people to come and murder me then there's not really anything i can do against that uh which is why you know philosophy and strategy precedes any of this you have to uh, shift public opinion towards justice objective justice and then it will the rest will flow right um you, you can't you can't wave some magic wand and have the nap be obeyed by everybody is that's not how the world works you know you're absolutely right and if we play on that that's not the way the world works i would i would ask us to broaden this conversation and walk me through a scenario in which it's realistic that not only, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Americans and the Europeans that hear your words about uh, how anarcho-capitalism would work, um, what happens when the, the autocrats that, that don't think that that's the way the world should work? Let's say, let's just say, for example, uh, Putin's Russia, let's say uh, China, um, countries that are armed with, with militaries that have uh, nuclear arsenals. Do you think that it's prudent, uh, or uh, to to have uh, to have anarchy if 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 unless you had everyone on board? How 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 would this work if we had autocratic threats that are that are uh, that are well organized and uh, possess uh, weapons that uh, you know that 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 can create calamities on a global scale? Well, I mean, I I don't if you have like an ANCAP US or whatever, I think that's the scenario being proposed. Uh, that would be uh, perhaps the hardest territory on planet Earth to invade. Um, and why on Earth would China be wanting to nuke that if they can get a bunch of money out of it? Uh, I, I don't see 
um, that incentive there. I don't. I just don't see where 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 the real problem arises. It's definitely a problem for the people who live in China. Uh, it's bad that they have to live under that. Um, but really, yeah, it's it's still prudent. It's always still prudent to have a just society. It's never prudent to go along with the murderers in their murder spree. Uh, you should you should just not do that. Yeah, no, interesting. So, uh, so we've agreed that if we if we set this up here in the U.S., that um, that that the the enemies abroad, potential enemies abroad, uh, would would still have their weapons. You're arguing that they would have less incentive to do it, but I would argue that the concept of mutually assured destruction is what's prevented a nuclear exchange from taking place. The only uh, nukes that had been dropped was unilaterally by the U.S. Uh, to end the Second World War. Um, and, and then since then, uh, as with the proliferation of, of nuclear weapons, uh, that assurance that you would uh, that you would uh, be destroyed if you were to launch your attack, uh, the retaliation would destroy you. And so it would be uh, it, it, it would be a very difficult game to win. And so my question then would be, in uh in and Kapistan here in the US, uh who's gonna have the nuke coats? I mean whoever homesteads them, I suppose. Um but I'm just I really don't see the incentive for China to go, oh those people have freedom. Let's nuke them into oblivion. Like um that's not how any terrorism has ever been done, uh, to my knowledge. Like uh, you know, that's like the propaganda of the terrorists hate our freedom and that's why they want to destroy us. It's, no uh, the terrorists have some very specific grievances about the U.S. military invading and protecting Israel and whatnot, um, and that's why they're uh, coming over and destroying things. Um, I really don't see the, the 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 reason why China would decide, oh, those people have too much freedom over there. Let's let's glass the entire United States. Like, where's where? Why? What does that get them? So your defense posture would be dependent on. The idea that uh, there's no incentive for China or Russia to to use these weapons against us, but if they did, what what would be our what what is our deterrent? What is our response? Well, my response would be um, I don't know, probably burn alive. Um, uh, hopefully, I can get to a bunker in sometime. Um, yeah, I, I don't. But maybe maybe uh, you can get up like nuclear defenses, right? There, those are a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, if China wants to destroy the world, yeah, that's within their power, and I think that's a bad thing, which is why I don't want states to exist anymore. So, if the nukes were fired at uh, in Kapistan, and Kapistan would not fire nukes in return, I don't know. Some people might. Interesting. Yeah, and is there is there going to be an objective standard that, that that's applied that ensures that people don't? Uh, don't fire these off because if people are homesteading and everybody's got their own nuke, I'm just uh, I'm I, I'm I'm guessing that that increases the risk that somebody uh, might use them uh, for uh, you know applying less scrutiny than uh, let let's say uh, the, the the world has used over the last say 75 years, considering we've only used them uh, you know we've dropped two uh, in you know in a 75 year period, right? Well, guess would definitely be the correct uh, word there, because the only entity that has ever, ever in the history of humankind uh, used nuclear weapons on innocent people is the state, right? It's the United States government. Those are That's the only group that has ever, in the history of all of mankind, uh, used a nuclear weapon to kill innocent people. 
Uh, it's it's states which do this total war mentality of we must destroy everybody in that territory because we as a collective are against them as a collective. That total war mentality is absent if you have methodological individualism, which you would have on a society-wide level in Ankapistan. Um, I don't see where this, uh, you know, all uh, like um, total war mentality would be derived from. What would be the philosophic basis for it in Ankapistan? Yeah, I, I guess the the part that I'm struggling with here is the pragmatic reality that there are people that do uh, want to kill others. There are countries that are adventurous and want to invade neighbors. We saw that with Putin in Ukraine. Uh, we uh, we we also uh, see uh, you know non-state actors because uh, you know last time I heard. Uh, the Palestinians don't have a state. They're a non-state actor, uh, you know, n- not a state, and committing uh, d- you know acts of depravity and barbarism, and uh, creating uh, what is a state of war. And so that was initiated by a non-state actor. So the idea that a non-state actor is going to be less likely to wage war um, is just false on its face. Well, I don't agree with uh, the, the definition of. Uh... The U.S. State Department says this isn't a state, therefore it's not a state. Um, I, I think that's uh, nonsense. Uh, they clear, very clearly have a state. They're being uh, ruled by Hamas at the moment. I believe they even voted in Hamas, right? So there's very clearly all of the normal apparatus of the state. And even if you think that, if even if you're siding with Israel on the side of this uh, disputed border or whatever, then they still ha- they're still living under state, namely the state of Israel, right? Uh, so the Palestinians, whichever way you slice it, They've got a state. Mm, not exactly. Uh, in uh, in 1947, when the partition plan was offered to them, they declined statehood. And when uh, and when statehood was granted to Israel, uh, uh, neighboring uh, uh, neighboring countries uh, on behalf of uh, the Palestinian people decided uh, you know, one day later after uh, Israel establishes its statehood. To declare war on them. So, uh, and again, we we've got plenty of non-state actors uh, that essentially want to see Jews eradicated. And uh, and and I, for one, uh, I like the idea that uh, you, you know that uh, that a group of people that's been persecuted for thousands of years uh, has adopted a mindset of never again and has has uh, armed themselves in such a way to protect themselves from some of the most uh, vile savages this planet's ever seen. So I I, I actually think that uh, Israel is a perfect example of why you need to be prepared uh, to be able to battle non-state actors. I mean, I'm not sure what this argument is really evidencing. My, my claim has never been that <clears throat> only states uh, engage in murder or anything like this. That was never my claim. It's just uh, my claim would be, which I haven't made yet in this debate, is that um, states are by far the largest perpetrator of crime, like bar none. Um, so yeah, it's a good idea to get rid of them. That that isn't negated by saying, well, look, there's this guy in the Golden State who's uh, serial killing all these women. Like, yeah, that's bad. And if only we didn't have a monopoly enforcement of rights, and then we could have actual competition here. Uh, you know, these these ladies could have uh, their laser guns or whatever, and could. Uh, you know, destroy him from orbit, right? So are, are you of the belief that, because I, I hear the term thrown around a lot of 
uh, the monopoly of violence of the for uh, of the state. Do you are are you uh, in in favor of democratizing violence? I, I'm against democracy, so not in that sense. The word um, I'm in favor of having a, uh, a of having competing firms, uh, which would enforce an, an objective body of law. Um, would that involve them using violence? Yes. So, so in that sense, yes, I want uh, there to be competition in the realm of violence. Interesting. Uh, interesting. So, so if we were more competitive violently, that would be a more optimal society in your in your position. Yep. Okay. Agreed to disagree. Um, interesting. It, what? 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 What is your? Um, thoughts on uh, the the fact that that I would be in favor of abolishing all other state apparatuses um, I, I would have to think that if there were a politician alive today that were advocating for the policies that I'm going for that would probably be somebody that you would support in comparison to um, the the alternatives that are out there is that correct yeah like Ron Paul or Javier Malay right yeah, Javier Malay. Um, my favorite thing about him is uh, when he waves the uh, Israeli flag. Um, it drives libertarians absolutely out of their mind when he uh, when he waves that flag. Uh, I, I do love that he has a strong uh, interpretation of the non-aggression principle that hasn't been compromised and watered down like some of the uh, comedian podcasters in the libertarian movement that have moved from the non-aggression principle uh, to the non-retaliation principle. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very pleased that Javier Malay is, uh, is a fan of the non-aggression principle in the traditional sense. I'm not sure if you uh, share the more of the uh, of the comedian podcaster interpretation, or uh, or or the one that uh, Malay subscribes to. I really don't give a shit about Israel Palestine, to be honest. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, uh, so there, there's a couple of questions I wanted to propose, uh, just to kind of get both of your guys' side. Um, so, Roger, this this first one's for you. Um, so if we have a a country or a the the reality of a small government somewhere in a territory what is supposed to prevent that from becoming out of control such as what we have now uh, growing exponentially to where it does become a problem and what is the solution um, if that did start to happen yeah, I, I think the exercise is one of constant vigilance. Um, it would be the same thing of how, how do you make sure that uh, that your that your your weeds don't grow in your yard? Well, you're going to have to take care of that. In my case, I hire a gardener. Uh, it, it, there, there are there are unfortunate realities that pe people uh, are going to want to usurp power for their own uh, desires. And it's going to be it's going to be an act of constant vigilance to beat that down. Uh, I think having a framework, though, uh, that, that allows for us to agree upon a common standard is better than having competing frameworks uh, that, that are going to be at odds with each other. I'm not a fan of democratizing violence. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of establishing multiple standards. I want one standard that we could uh, that we could at least uh, strive to improve and uh, and adhere to. 
despite the fact that I know it's going to be imperfect. And, 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 and I have plenty of criticism of, of the way that that system is going to no doubt challenge against the very principle of trying to continue to limit it. There are going to be those that are tr- going to try to expand it. I don't think the answer to that is to completely abandon the idea of having a structure that, that, uh, that has a goal of protecting that standard. Uh, that's a great answer. Um, Liquid. So obviously there's some things in a community where we're going to have to come together, um, have multiple inputs through people. Um, so say if, if one region, one, um, one group of people living in this geographical location uh, decides to form a government, how is another uh, group of people going to be able to defend themselves and appropriate uh, give a appropriate response to that. So the way you do it is you'd have, um, you know, if we're if we're talking about an established in Pakistan, you'd have a bunch of like uh, gargantuan insurance agencies, which uh, you know are the most hyper efficient militaries you've ever seen on planet Earth. Right, most hyper efficient militaries, police forces, arbitration firms, all of these would be leaps and bounds ahead of anything a state can produce. And um, so these guys, they want to come together and form a state. Well, you know, uh, good luck. Uh, oh, oh, if you come near me, uh, you're going to get like slapped down. Right, there's going to be like the the super ANCAP space lasers with Hoppus face on them, which are going to just beep 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 beep, just a, a bunch of little dots. On, on the planet Earth, and just all of them evaporate, right? You're good luck, um, right? Uh, so, but on the moral side of things, I would say it's immoral if they want to predate on people, and um, that's that's an evil thing to do. And those people who they're predating upon, uh, presumably, are going to be subscribed to some sort of uh, insurance agency. And if they're not, you know, when they hear news that a state's forming, maybe they would uh, make them hop step down to the insurance office. And get themselves a, a nice uh, deal with them, right? Um, so, and I just, I just uh, would also refute that it's going to be people getting together and agreeing to form a state. It's not going to be that. Uh, it's going to be sure there would be people who agree to form the state, uh, but not everybody who's going to be ruled by that state is going to be agreeing. Uh, there's going to be a great many who do not agree to that. And um, fundamentally, it's just impossible for a state to maintain itself without massive support in public opinion. Uh, the state makes up like, what, 1-2% of the population? Um, there is literally no way they can possibly, just by brute force, uh, control everybody else. It's not available to them. And if they try to do something like that, if they try and, uh, you know, really brute force people, just kill them all, kill them all, you know, they're killing their own income source, right? A parasite doesn't want to kill its host. Uh, a parasite wants to keep its host alive, but not fighting against the parasite, right? Because the second the host starts fighting against the parasite, going, oh, there's a tick on my arm, and you pluck it off, the tick has no defense against that. Well said. Well said. Uh, Roger, the, the next question I would like to propose to you is um, the idea of minarchy where... We're supposed to have a small enough government that it is not going to trample on our rights, yet it's supposed to be a large enough 
government that it can also defend the citizens from another invading army. How how do you rectify those two positions, which seems to be a contradiction? Yeah, so I think some people will use the term big government. Other people will use small government. Uh, and the anarchists will say no government. I, I, I'm thinking of this a little bit differently. I'm putting as the North Star the individual rights that we wish to protect. And then we erect that system uh, and, and if that military needs to be large, if that police force needs to be large, if that court system needs to be robust, then it will. But I don't think it needs to be any bigger or any smaller than it must be And, and uh, in order to protect those rights. And again, the North Star is what directs that. I, I, I think protecting individual rights and focusing on that goal and, and, and putting that as as uh is the the end all be all on how your society is judged does your system allow you to protect the individual rights of your citizens and if the answer is no then you're going to have to make adjustments if it gets too big well then you have to rein it in if it's too small then you might have to grow it but but again it's not about the size of it it's about the effectiveness in doing what its stated purpose would be which would be to protect the rights of its citizens well said um Zulu, I'd like to propose this to you because um, I, I I hear this uh, a lot as a um, an argument against you know that the ANCAP side is uh, but warlords would take over. How how do you handle, in my opinion, the the warlord fallacy? And so the only way a warlord could take over and maintain his rule is if he has uh, support in public opinion. If people, if the vast majority of people are at least not wanting to actively oppose him, that's the only way it can possibly happen. So how do you deal with that problem? The same way you'd form an, an ANCAP stand in the first place is you have to shift uh, public opinion in favor of anarcho-capitalism, uh, which requires that you uh, push a uh, realist philosophy with, um, where it actually understands the problem of justice. And that's, that's, what, that's what I do every day on my YouTube channel, right? And, I'm trying to push this philosophy onto people. Uh, and that when, once you've pushed it onto enough people, boom, switch can flip. And, uh, you, you know, you start speaking French for a bit, uh, in the words of Lenin, and then suddenly you have all of Russia, right? It, these things can happen very quickly. And, I mean, now we've uh, taken Argentina. That's a pretty uh, big win there, I would say. I, I would have to agree with that. Um so th this is kind of to to both of you. Uh, what what really would the defense of these ideas be in real life? Um, I talked to quite a few people about these ideas as well, and that's one of the biggest things that I hear is, well, uh, how, how would policing um, take place in some of these ideas? That I, I believe a lot of people. Think it's a gotcha um, when they propose that. I personally don't believe that it is, but what is the system of protection of your community that um, in in the ideas that you were proposing? So I think um, to to answer this on my um, part of this, it, it would be um, first I'll give the uh, concrete of this abstract. Imagine you are standing in a Soviet bread line. 
and uh, you're waiting there for hours for this stale moldy bread you you turn to your friend it's like this is crazy i mean we're we're waiting here all this time and it, the product's terrible now this is this is no good at all your friend says oh my god you think this is bad in capitalist countries they don't even give you bread for free right it's uh people people can't really conceive of how just how terrible the product they're getting is and it's like well it's free so it must be okay so uh, the way the way you would respond to maybe one of those uh, people in the bread line of well how are you going to produce bread without it it's like well i, I don't know and that's the point i'm not a central planner uh, imagine if you try if you somebody was arguing uh, arguing for slavery back then it's like well how are we going to pick cotton without it and you try to explain to them how a combine harvester works they'd look at you like you're an insane person uh the, the answer to all of these is like it, the market figures it out in the most efficient way possible because it economizes constantly so how is policing going to take place i don't know i'm not a central planner i don't propose to be omniscient or anything and uh, that police will be tending towards an ideal way of doing it because they'll have access to actual prices they'll be able to know okay how much defense should we be having in this area how much should we be having in this area oh a crime has been committed against one of our customers that's very bad we gotta get that back because we've got some policy where we immediately pay them for the the damages that were done and we if we want to get that money back we gotta go out and find this guy and uh, pursue him right so they'll be very efficient like it's hard to really get across just how magical it would seem from our uh, more primitive perspective Roger. Yeah, no, I, it was an interesting answer. I, I really appreciated the part where you said you didn't know. Um, I, I think that if there was a little bit more honesty from the anarchist camp, I probably wouldn't argue with them quite as much as I do, uh, because sometimes they back themselves into these uh, logical traps. Uh, and, and so I, pre I, I sincerely appreciate the fact that you that you acknowledge that you don't know. Uh, the beauty of of, uh, of of the world that I envision is that I do have an idea of how it would work. Uh, it would simply work uh, much like the systems work uh, in terms of, of policing and courts today, minus the fact that you eliminate all the really, really bad laws that are not protecting individual rights, in fact, are infringing on people's individual rights. We shouldn't be locking people up for victimless crimes. We should address the fact that if our philosophy is one that, that the standard is protecting individual rights, then we shouldn't be criminalizing people that are exercising their individual rights. And so it's very easy to conceive of, of a world in which policing operates uh, you know, in the same way of apprehending criminals that have, that have wronged somebody. We just eliminate the laws that uh you, you know where you're actually punishing people for ex exercising their rights it's 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 a much it's a much simpler uh uh it, it's not even philosophical it's uh it, th this is this is just rooted in the consistency of, of of having a policing system and a court system that's consistent with your values and 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 when you do that you don't have to have answers like i don't know how it would work so i just want to play off of that real quick um uh, you're claiming like um, you're going to replace all the bad laws. Like, would you be outlawing theft? Uh, would you be outlawing taxation? Right, which is a form of theft. If so, how are you how are you planning on funding your minarchist state here? If you're getting rid of the bad laws, like allowing theft. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I do think that we could have a voluntarily funded system if we got rid of all of these this mandatory spending that we have. If we stop giving money to corporations, stop giving money to other countries, stop giving pe- people money uh, for these social safety nets. All of the, if, if you think about all of the things that we waste our money on, that you and I would agree sh- the government shouldn't be doing, right? Then the only things that you would be left to fund would be the police, it would be the courts, and it would be the military. And those things are 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 uh, agreeably in our rational best interest that we could absolutely count on people to voluntarily fund that. Now, the question would be, what if somebody decides not to voluntarily fund it? Well, then maybe what you what you do in this in a system where somebody doesn't voluntarily fund it is absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing except for the shame that would come along with the fact that, dude, we've we've stripped the world of all these ridiculous rules, all of these ridiculous spending, all of those crazy taxations that we would agree is theft. And now all we have to do is voluntarily fund the things that would protect the liberty that we cherish. I think we could get people on board with that a heck of a lot easier than we could uh, with the idea of just uh, throwing it all away and, uh, and, and selling people the idea of, well, we don't know how that would work. So if we have your organization being voluntary funded, right, um, is anything stopping me from going to a different organization and giving them my patronage instead if I think they provide a better pro- uh, product? See, that's the interesting question. I, I think that when it comes to policing, while I believe that uh, the government should have a function in policing, I'm not against the idea of also having uh, private organizations that could do policing as long as they're adhering to that standard and, and would be subject to a central uh, 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 arbiter of justice where we have one code. What scares me about these competing agencies is the idea of them operating uh, upon different codes. And I would just go back to the ANCOM, ANCAP thing, because I think that's an area that you and I would agree that one group could be a absolute um, threat to the way of life that either of us would want to institute. And if you and, and, and if we went uh, without, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, that standard to uphold in, a, in an arbiter of justice, uh, I, I think you run the risk of, of having a well-funded organization that then throws your standard out. And that would be my biggest concern, because if, 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 if society flipped and said, hey, we no longer think that you should have the right to own property, property belongs to everyone, it's a communal thing, I would have a problem with that, you would have a problem with that. I'm simply saying, let's do the best that we can to protect that from happening. So let's say we have a bunch of these uh, competing firms, which are each uh, proposed, and maybe they each propose that, hey, no, we're, we're, a, we're enforcing the actual correct body of law. We're the real state. Uh, how do you decide which one is actually the state? I think that, that, part, that part's simple in, in my world. You, you would, you, you, we have a standard that we agree upon. And, that agree, and, and again, it's not in, in, uh, Oh, it, uh, I'm sorry. Right. It, it, in, in your world, it's not agreed upon. In my so, world, it's agreed upon. The one I'm proposing is, the, the scenario is, uh, we, we get to your perfect minarchy, and then there are some splinter groups which form, and these splinter groups each claim to have the correct, uh, you know, mystic interpretation of what the law is, 
they are each claiming to be the true state. So there's not agreement with everybody over what the law is. Uh, there, there, there are different groups which are claiming to have different laws. Uh, how are you resolving this conundrum and deciding which one is the actual yeah. uh, arbiter okay. of last resort? Well, they, they would, they would be operating outside of the law if they're, if they're not adhering to that standard. Again, which one is the standard? Which one is the correct standard? Like, which one of the? How do you determine which of these firms is correct? That their standard is the true one. Well, well, you 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 do have to have uh, it, it, you you do have to have someone that has the the might to protect their way of life. And so, if the it, it, uh, the sad truth would be, if the ANCOMs were 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 better funded and had better weaponry, they would prevail. Because you do have to be, have the mechanisms to protect your way of life. My hope would be that in, in, in this world, that the, uh, th those that believe in, in these Lockean principles of life uh, uh, rights and property, that what we, would, what we would do is we would establish that standard based on that. And anybody that's deviating from the protection of life rights and property, those are the people that are operating outside of the system. And those and, 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 and so they would be facing a judge that upholds the standard with the, that, that is the authority figure that, that, that can be protected. And again, uh, at the end of the day, a country can only maintain itself if it can fight off its enemies. Right. So then there is this objective standard of law. Uh, you're, you're terming it like the Lockean rights and whatever. Um, and then that is how you determine whether or not somebody is correct that they are enforcing the law. So how does this not apply equally to anarchism, right? How is this system any different from anarchism? You have voluntary funded organizations. Insofar as those organizations differ from an objective body of law, we know that they're criminals, right? So how exactly is this not anarchism, right? This is what the ANCAPs are proposing. I, I would say that's not what the ANCAPs are proposing. What the ANCAPs are proposing uh, and again, if, if, if you've got a different uh, frame of reference outside of Rothbard or, or Hoppe, uh, you, you know, feel free to, uh, to, to share. But from the, from the literature that I read uh, and, and from, from the uh, professed uh, you know, desires of those that are, that are uh, espousing these beliefs, what they, what they want is the ability to have absolutely no state. They define anarchy is, is not a system without, uh, without uh, rules, just without rulers. And the problem that we run into is this issue that if there is no ruler, then you don't have the ability, you don't have the ability to be that arbiter of truth. And so that what, what you run into is that you then decide uh, your ANCAP society that may, that may uh, exist uh, in, in your enclave could be coexisting next to an ANCOM uh, uh, enclave until the day that the ANCOMs have better weapons, more people, and a desire to say, you know what? Those people stole property because property is theft. Let's go apprehend them. Let's go seize the property. And where is your objective standard that tells them that they're wrong? That's what I want to know. So, I mean, what would actually prevent me like, let's say we have no rulers, we are in Ancapistad. What, what prevents me from being an arbiter in some disagreement? Like, that was your claim, is that the problem with Ancap is that you don't have any ability to be an arbiter, but I just don't see, like, is there some magic spell over Ancap where the second you try and arbitrate some dispute, it, you, like, disintegrate or something? Based on whose authority? 
the authority granted to you by those agreeing to you, right? The authority granted by the objective body of law and everybody's agreement to the situation to, to abide by your decision, right? That, that's where the authority comes from because we both agree that there is an objective standard of law. And the question is, how do you apply that standard? And I'm saying, well, just anybody can be an arbiter, right? There, there's, there's no reason why you have to have, uh, you know, just one person doing it. And you agree with this, right? You say you can indeed go to competing arbitration firms in your minarchy. So I'm, I'm just not seeing what exactly is differing it from ANCAP? I, I think what's uh, it, it, within your ANCAP society, that's uh, I, I can understand how that makes sense to you. What I'm positing is that uh, if, if you have your ANCAP society and right next to your ANCAP society is the ANCOMs or some other nefarious group that doesn't like the way that you do things, when you have a dispute that crosses those borders, because you believe in property rights and they don't, when you have a dispute that crosses over into your borders, right, and, and, and now you have a dispute over this, why do you now have an, uh, an arbiter of justice that they have to acknowledge, but they have a completely different standard? Who is that entity that elevates themselves above both of those claims, those truth claims, and, and is able to settle that dispute? By what standard? Are, are you going to say that in, in, in Ancapistan that, uh, that Ancoms just, they, they can't live in a communal way? Would you forbid them from participating in having their own commune? And, and uh, it, like, how would that work? Don't you have to have an elevated sense of uh, of order where somebody is going to be able to handle a dispute between the two communities? Well, at the end of the day, in both of our systems, in every system, right, uh, you're going to have this problem where if people really just can't agree to come to the table and arbitrate some dispute, then yeah, they're back to fighting, right? There, there is there is no solution to this. The solution to this is not that you force them to go to an arbitrator against their will. Uh, with whose terms they haven't agreed to. That's not a solution to it. You've just aggressed against these people who are having some dispute, right? Uh, that, that, does, that does not solve the conundrum. You've just created more disputes because they don't want to go to this arbitrator and you're forcing them. You're enslaving them, right? That's just creating more aggression, more conflicts. Well, I'm glad that you acknowledge the fact that when two entities can't resolve their differences through diplomacy and reason and other means... There are times when these disputes become irreconcilable and, uh, and and things become physical. We like to call those things wars in the real world. And if there was a war, I would have a lot more confidence in my system that advocates for the creation of and the maintenance of a very strong military that is equipped to be able to repel these enemies. I don't believe that you would have that same uh, ab ability to organize uh, and and provide for the defense, especially with the modern threats that we have today. Maybe if we were cavemen, your your ideas might make a little bit more sense. But in with the modern threats that we have, uh, I, I think the, the the fact that you've acknowledged that there are times when there's going to be disputes that will lead men to war uh, kind of leads me to uh, to a strengthening of my position that the military is necessary. Well, in, in your system, you basically have the state being at a constant war with its own populace, right? So this is not a, an anti-war system. This is a pro-war system. Like you mentioned earlier as well, that uh, individual rights are your North Star. Um, but I'm really just not seeing this. So, because there are, there are some situations where you're claiming that 
the state has some greater claim to property than the actual natural owners of that property. Uh, so for the instance where the state says, oh, these people can't agree on this dispute, we're going to enslave them and have them come over here. You're claiming that the state has a greater claim to their own bodies than they do. And so where, where, do, where does the state derive this greater claim? Uh, the state gets their authority through the consent of the governed. That's what a representative uh, republic uh, has provided for us. Well, in, in this situation, these are people who, having, who are having a dispute who don't consent to this government governance, right? Because the, the, the hypothetical was that they just can't agree on which arbiter to go to, right? That they, they haven't consented to any arbiter. They are explicitly not consenting, and your state is enslaving them and forcing them into this. So this is not, how, how does the state get the great, greater claim to these people's property than those people themselves? Well, here, here, well, here's the question, because in, in Ancapistan, why, how would you be able to uh, protect your property from a, uh, a large body of people that believe that you don't have property rights? Again, going back to this, uh, this, 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 this problem of anarchy does not just exist with one philosophical strain that, uh, you, you know, that, that, that morphs something very beautiful, such as capitalism, with something as, uh, as immature and, and, and utopian as anarchy. Uh, in fact, the anarchists, uh, you know, on the left existed a heck of a lot uh, longer than, uh, you know, than those that, uh, that began reading Rothbard and Hoppe. And so when, when we start seeing this, uh, this conflict between those that don't believe that you should even have property, wouldn't it be nice to have an entity that says, no, those property rights that you cherish, we're going to erect a system that is going to allow you to protect that. We, we want to be able to protect your rights from that against these people that have a completely different standard of living that don't even believe that you have the rights to that property. They believe that you're the criminal. So the way that you would uh, protect your property from a large body of people who don't believe that you have property rights is you uh, shoot them or something like that. Um, this does not answer my question. Uh, my question was uh, not a practical question of how do we go about enforcing uh, this rights theory that we have. It's rather interrogating the rights theory itself. Uh, your claim is that the state somehow gains a greater claim to the bodies of people in disputes than those people have to their own bodies. So how does the state get this claim? How does it get a greater claim to their bodies than they have? Well, again, the, the, the standard of life rights and property is the standard that you're looking to protect. And so when you have when you have an entity that has rejected that standard, they are the ones that are operating outside of the law. So when they when when those ANCOMs come around in uh, in Minkapistan, uh, we would have a very strong uh, a, a response to that to say, well, listen, the law of the land is that property is something that we have the right to. And, and, and we, have, we have designed our society in order to protect it. So no, you do not have the right to take this property. And the, and, and the problem that on your side of the fence is that with, 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 within, uh, within this framework that you've designed, you don't have a good answer for dealing with that. In fact, you actually have no answer for dealing with it. So you're, you, you, you stated there that when you have an entity that rejects property rights, it's criminal. But what I'm claiming is that your state is rejecting property rights. It is enslaving people who are in disputes, who can't agree to any arbitrator, 
and it's forcing them to arbitrate with uh, you, right? Uh, that is the claim you're making. So maybe literally neither of these parties want to go to the state to arbitrate their dispute, right? And then the state says, no, you're coming to us, right? You're coming to us to arbitrate this. Um, that, that is enslaving them, right? So how does the state gain that? Uh, well, you said it yourself, that if you have a pro, if you have an entity which, re which rejects property rights in this sense, it is a criminal. So this would be a criminal organization, right? So th this seems like just a massive concession on your part that your state is indeed the criminal organization that we need protection from. It, incorrect. Um, that was cute, but uh, no, it, the, you're 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 actually uh, inverting everything that I just said. Uh, this entity would be solely designed to protect this standard, which includes property rights. And so in, in the goal of protecting this, uh, the, the rights to property, somebody that's trying to make a false claim that you can't own property is in violation of the law. So yes, this, uh, this arbiter of justice is going to reject this claim that operates outside of the uh, of the of the law, which which I believe is a pretty noble uh, you know set of laws protecting life rights and property. I, I think that's a, a pretty strong framework to work from. And so, yeah, if somebody wants to violate that the same way that if they violated another law like murder or rape, yeah, you would you would actually bring them to justice and say, no, your claim that uh, that 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 somebody has stolen property simply because they've decided they uh they possess it through contracts no you don't have that claim it's an illegitimate claim and, and i would definitely support a state that would uh that would enforce those property laws and say that no you can't make those illegitimate claims and try to invalidate contracts that that goes completely against the standard in which you've erected and so no i i, I don't buy this idea at all that uh, that somehow that means that the state has enslaved anybody. What the state is doing is protecting you from having somebody steal your property. So you claim there that your state is being solely designed to protect property rights. Uh, I believe that's a direct quote. Um, so does this mean that it's uh, not allowed to bring people to arbitration against their will? Right? Assuming neither party of this arbitration wants to go to the arbitration, right? Is it, allowed, is it not allowed to bring them against their will to arbitrate their dispute? If somebody's violated a law, you can bring them to justice. If somebody does, if somebody, if well, only against... one party could have violated the law, right? One party well, is the aggressor, one is the aggressed pawn, and it's bringing both of them to arbitration. Neither of them want to go, so it's definitely aggressing on someone. Definitely, someone there is innocent, and the state is forcing them to come to arbitration. So, would it not be allowed to do this? Uh, well, I, I think I think what you're doing is you're perverting the entire idea of what justice is. If you have somebody that commits a crime. For example, if somebody steals from me, right? If I if I make if I make a claim that somebody has stolen from me, and somebody saying that they haven't, a, a truth claim has been made uh, and then denied, and you do go to arbitration, and you do pull in both sides, the perpetrator and the and the alleged victim, and you bring them together to be able to understand whether or not there were the elements of a crime, what, you know, what were the facts that, uh, that, that make it a crime, 
and then you make a decision about innocence or guilt. So absolutely, you bring people together to be able to, uh, to, to make a decision about justice. That's how justice gets served. That's, that's how witness testimony is, is given. And so, yes, you, you, do, you, do, you have the right to face your, uh, uh, your accusers. You also have uh, the right to, uh, you, you know, to make you those accusations. And it has to have a day in a court in front of a judge, which is why we need a court system. So, yes, just to be clear, uh, yes or no, would the state be allowed to bring both parties of this dispute who cannot agree on any arbitrator, neither of them want to go to any arbitrator together, would it be allowed to bring both parties to arbitration? Oh, if somebody's not pressing charges, then they're not claiming that a crime... Oh, no, they, they, want, they want to press charges. They want to go to fighting, right? They definitely still have this dispute. They just can't agree on an arbitrator, right? The state's supposed to be the arbiter of last resort when they can't agree on anything. That was your claim. So yep. would the state be allowed to force them to go to this arbiter of last resort? What, 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 what would be the alternative? Are you saying that they would go to war with each other? Yeah, the alternative, if they can't agree to go any to any arbiter, then yeah, they're back to fighting. You know, either they, just say, either they just say forget it, and you know, they, they, they put out their minds, or they go to fighting over it, right? Okay, so, okay, but, got so, it. But, but my question is, is the state allowed to bring both of these parties to the arbitration that neither of them want to go to? So it, it, it depends, it, it, and I'll tell you what it depends on. If, if both sides desire to fight, if that's their desire is to fight each other, I have no problem with mutual combat. I have no problem with mutual combat at all. In fact, I think that if we had mutual combat laws throughout this country, I think we would, we would have far less violence because what you would find is that when people agree mutually that they want to fight, people become much less likely uh, to want to fight because they understand most, most violent crime happens because one side is a bully and the other side is ill-equipped to defend themselves. That's where most fights happen. And so if you're, if you give me, if what you're presenting is an example where these two sides don't want to give an inch and they're both willing to fight, then hell yeah, stay out of that. Let them, let them men fight. Right. So you, you said there, it, it depends. Uh, and you gave, if both of them want to fight, you know, if they're agreeing to like a boxing match or whatever, then stay out of it. But maybe they don't want to fight, right? Um, you know, there's some farmer and he's being polluted by a factory. Uh, he doesn't want to go to war with the factory, but he wants this situation resolved. And he can't agree, and neither of them can agree to any free market arbiter for this situation. Um, what are you doing there? Are you forcing them to go to arbitration? I I would I would look at what crime has been committed, and I and I would investigate the truth claims of that crime. And I would adjudicate based on the system of law that you have. And, and so if, 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 so here's, here's the example you're giving. You're saying that there's a dispute between two people. They, and, and, and then you, you first said they wanted to fight. I solved that problem and said, fuck it, let them fight. Then you say, okay, well, what if they don't want to fight? Well, if they don't want to fight, but they don't want someone to solve their problem, well, I, I think that, that, that A, the problem is not very significant if they're not willing to fight about it or to solve it in a reasonable way. And so I would actually maybe dismiss uh, any concern over these claims unless so, if, if somebody brought that claim and said, look, this is unjust. This has violated the law. Please investigate. Uh, you know, 
then yeah, then you get involved. But if somebody's not pressing charges, if somebody's not interested in defending their rights uh, and, and not making a specific claim that their rights have been violated, if somebody's rights have been violated, then you do intervene. In fact, in, in, you have a duty to do that. And I'll give you an example. If somebody gets raped and let's say the victim doesn't want to press charges, they say, look, I don't want to go into court. I don't want to press charges. If you have enough facts that suggest, if you have eyewitness testimony and you know that you can get the prosecution, yes, you bring that person in and you run them through the system because they have violated that person's rights, whether that person wanted to uh, press those charges or not. So, yes, you do have a right as a state. And I would I would argue a duty as a state to be able to make sure that people are not hurting people and people are not taking their stuff. And, and so you can continue to change the framework of this question, uh, which uh, initially I thought was solved with just letting them fight. But um, I, I don't know how many more caveats that, that, that you might want to create here. So the whole uh, elevator pitch for minarchism that you gave me was that when you have all these different arbitration agencies, maybe you have another arbitration agency which can deal with you when you don't agree with those ones, and so on and so forth. Uh, if you if you you need to have some sort of arbitrar arbitration agency of last resort when the parties can't agree to go to any of the other arbitration agencies, they can go to the state, right? This was your claim. So, oh, when they can, when they can't agree to any arbitration agency, then just let them fight. This is not an answer. This is a complete regression from your actual thesis. Your actual thesis being that when they can't agree to any arbitration agency, then they go to the state. But then we have this problem of, you know, maybe it is the farmer is the victim, but the factory is the one who wants to bring it to court, right? The factory is getting mad that this farmer keeps, like, preventing their uh, pollution from going onto his field. He keeps plugging up the pipe or whatever, right? The factory is the one who are the aggressors, and they want to bring the farmer to court. The car farmer is completely disinterested in going to court. He just wants to shoot their agents as they come towards him, right? He is not interested in going to court. Uh, would your state, because charges are being pressed against this farmer for defending his property, would your state force this farmer to go to court? If he's violated the law, then yes. He hasn't. He has not aggressed against anyone. So... Would they force him to go to court? I, I don't. I don't think that you would force someone to go into a court that has that, that, that you don't have reasonable suspicion has committed a crime. He doesn't want to go to court. Charges are being pressed against him. Right. The claim is that he has been committing a crime. He has not committed any crimes, and he does not want to go to court. Oh, right? got it, got it. So he's claiming innocence. He's claiming innocence. He's been accused of being guilty. And you're asking, uh, should the state be uh, have the right uh, to to look into the matter? And the answer is based on uh, the severities of the claim. Uh, if there's validity to it, you're gonna you, you it can't just simply be a willy nilly claim. But if you had eyewitness testimony that that suggested, and you had the elements of a crime enough to charge somebody with, then absolutely you could apprehend a fucking criminal and bring their ass into a goddamn courtroom. Absolutely. But you don't know they're a criminal before the trial has concluded. Right? No, no. This this is what what you do is you 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 gather. Is there sufficient evidence to charge someone? 
And if there's sufficient evidence to charge someone, then you bring them in and they will have their day in court to be able to prove uh, what you have to prove that they've committed the crime. Right. Uh, right. So, so then maybe maybe this happens and they prove they were innocent all along. They don't have right? to prove their innocence. They don't have to prove right, their they, innocence. They do. Right. Let's just assume no, that they, they do indeed prove their innocence. They prove that they did not commit the crime. Right. So the state has forced this innocent person who did not do any crimes. They have forced this person into a courtroom against their will. Has the state not enslaved this person? Uh, well, listen, you, you, you can get into philosophical wonderland here. If uh, if you have sufficient if you have sufficient evidence that suggests that there's that that there's a reason to believe that a crime has been committed and 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 that and that uh, the person may be guilty and you need to be able to determine innocence or guilt. And there are people that are making a claim of this guilt and, and, and you're looking at evidence that suggests that a a crime took place and that there is there is strong reason to believe that this person was involved in that crime you may absolutely bring them in front of a judge you have a duty to do that that's what protecting people's rights is all about otherwise what you're saying is that that you don't have a justice system at all and in fact if you think that that's the way the world should work that I'm more scared of Ancapistan in the way you're describing it than the way it's ever been described to me before. In fact, if somebody is accused of, of committing a murder and there are eyewitnesses and the person maintains, well, I didn't do it, and your claim is that dragging that motherfucker into a courtroom is enslaving them, well, enslave away, baby, because you should be able to investigate a murder, especially when there's eyewitnesses, and you should give them their day in court. However, you should presume that they are innocent until you prove they're guilty, which is why I take exception to the fact that you said he proved his innocence. You don't prove innocence. You have to prove guilt. If you don't have, if you don't have the evidence to prove that somebody's guilty, you let them walk free. But you do have to let the process play out. And so, yeah. Absolutely, you bring them in. Yes. So you you, you said there uh, enslave away, and I think that's a pretty good motto for minarchists because that's what you want to do. You want to enslave away, uh, and the question is, on what basis does the state gain a superior property claim to this innocent man's body than he has to his body? In order to force him into court, they are claiming that they have a better claim to his body than he has. Where do they get this claim from? How do they justify so, this? Well, it's pretty simple because you're protecting the standard of protecting life. Now, depending on what, what rights in life, if there is a rights that's been violated, if there if there is a uh, a life that's been taken, if there's been property that has been stolen, those are crimes, and that system of justice is designed to bring people to justice for doing those things. Simply making the claim that you are innocent. If there are if there are witness, if there are people that are bearing witness against you now, it's a crime to bear false witness. Right. But if somebody is bearing witness and saying, I saw this son of a bitch do this crime that we as a society is deemed you shall not do that, then, yes, you have a fucking duty to your society to do that. And it's absolutely fucking insanity to think that if somebody claims that they're innocent, that you don't have the right 
as a society to bring them in and to and 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 to uh and to interrogate the situation to figure out if the truth claims made against them uh su- suggesting that they violated the law whether they've hurt somebody or taken their stuff that you think that the the that the claim of innocence uh means that somebody should never have to arrive in a courtroom that is fucking insanity so you said there that uh, the basis that they gain this greater claimed property than the actual self-owners is that they're protecting the standard protecting rights, but they're not doing that. They're not protecting these uh, self-owners' right of self-ownership. They're, in fact, the ones violating that. So this is not a valid basis. So how do they get this greater claim? To the yeah, I, look, look th- this is where f- Philosophical Debate Club uh, loses me. Um, there's a pragmatic fact that we have rapists, murderers, and thieves in society. And if you're advocating for a system that would allow for somebody that has committed those crimes, that has violated someone's rights, the fecklessness of not bringing them to justice because you've wrapped your head around some book that you've read that talks about your body ownership. If somebody fucking harms somebody, if they hurt them, if they take their stuff, they should absolutely be brought to justice. We're talking about an innocent person being brought to justice. No, no. Well, how do you determine innocence and guilt? Epistemology. Uh Uh-huh. And and so you don't believe in a court system at all, huh? I'm I'm perfectly fine having a court system. I just don't think that that court system should enslave people. And you are claiming that it should be enslaving people because it's just far too philosophical to be against slavery. You know, that's just that's just up in the clouds. Right. So so let me ask you this. How would you investigate a claim of murder or rape when somebody maintains their innocence? Do you not bring them into a court? Uh, Well, what you could do is you could you could bring you could say, hey, we're having a court on. We're going to try you on this date. You can show up or not. But. You know, if we if, if you if you don't go there to defend yourself, uh, there's there's a we've got a bunch of evidence which can find you guilty, and then all the uh, you know uh, security firms are going to be after your ass, bro. Right? It's trial in absentia. So you don't believe that the you don't believe that police should go and arrest somebody that eyewitnesses said uh, uh, had murdered somebody if the person maintains a claim that they didn't commit that murder. You don't arrest that person? If there's evidence that they've done something uh, untoward, then yes, follow up on that evidence. Uh, Follow the evidence there. What I'm disputing here, which is your claim, that it's some sort of uh, arbitrator of last resort, where you're guaranteed, no matter what, you can go to this arbitrator. You can bring anybody to this arbitrator, which implies slavery. This is the point I'm against. I'm not against having courts. I'm not against investigating crimes. I'm against having this arbitrator of last resort because it implies slavery. And you're saying my worries about slavery, it's just up, my head's up in the clouds. I'm just being far too philosophical about this thing. Well, if that means far too philosophical, then yes, I very much am far too ph- philosophical. So um, no, I, but, I but your slavery. But your claim is is that it, your objection is that it's slavery to bring somebody into a system to be able to determine their innocence or guilt. To force them to go into that system, to be clear. Sure, to force them in. Okay, so if somebody's accused of rape, let's call it pedophilia. 
I'd like to see you defend that one because you're, you're pretty high and mighty about slavery. Let's see how, how you do with pedophilia. If, if, uh, if somebody's accused of pedophilia, uh, but they say, uh, I maintain my innocence, um, I'm not coming to your court date. You're going to be on the side of the pedophile to not go to court? Yeah, you shouldn't force him to go to court. Uh, try all the evidence. Go over all the evidence. And, yeah, if he is indeed guilty of uh, not pedophilia, it's ra- it would be molesting children would be the crime. It's not a crime to be attracted to children, right? Um, if he if he is if he is indeed if it is the case that he's been going off and molesting children, then yeah, bring him to justice. Uh, but you can't force him to go to court against his will because that implies slavery, and you can't enforce innocent people to go to court against their will, which is yeah. also right. implied by your system forcing innocent people to go to court against their will. Cool. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I uh, now I look. I thought ANCAPs were crazy before. Now you think that it would be slavery to bring somebody in against their will that's been accused with eyewitness testimony of abusing sexually children. You think that your claim would be that would be slavery to bring them in against their will to investigate those claims. I think that's fucking insanity. And I'm so glad that your idea is more unpopular than mine and my idea is incredibly unpopular but i i thank fucking the stars above that your idea is 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 so unpopular that it's untenable and i really don't have to debate these things uh, all that often because the chances of of your ideas ever cracking through after people start hearing the fact that you're more concerned about a slavery claim than you are bringing someone to justice that uh that that diddled kids fucking insane it's fucking well, I, would insane. Say, I would say you definitely do have to worry about my ideas coming true because i mean uh, we won argentina uh has said he's an ancap in theory right uh so uh, it's it's coming uh you yeah, better well, be prepared he, for he, it he, he he no he said he said he's an ancap and uh but then he worked in a political system to get ele- elected to be the head of a government so this sure, idea to destroy it to destroy oh, it sure. right so oh, yeah. uh have fun with that one uh you know you're gonna have to be having these debates you can't rest on the laurels of it's never going to happen, bro. You're living in Ancapstan in your head. No, I'm living in Ancapstan in Argentina, bro. Oh, that no, that's cool. I, I I'm sure you I, I'm sure you think that uh, you know we should get rid of the fiat currency of the dollar, where Javier Malay mm-hmm. wants to standardize on the dollar. But go ahead. Yes, because it, it's better than the uh, Argentine peso. I don't know what they have over there. Um, but yeah, it's definitely better to have the dollar than that. I would prefer to have uh, gold. But I believe. The, the claim is that he wants to open up uh, free competition currency so anybody can have whatever currency they want, right? It's not going to be there's a one legal tender. It's going to be like the, the Argentine peso is going to be pegged to the dollar, right? Just to kind of slow that down a little bit. And then, hey, you guys, just form whatever money you want. I don't care. We're not going to enforce this being the only legal tender. That's my understanding. You know, obviously I don't speak like Spanish or whatever it is they speak over there. So I can't confirm any of these claims, but that's what I've heard is that he's wanting to completely open it up and then hopefully a good money will arise out of that. And the Ar- the Argentine peso will just be not used at all. Whether it's pegged to the dollar or not is irrelevant. So are you making the claim that the head of, uh, of a government uh, such as Argentina is uh, <laughs> that, that you can be the president in your government and, and be an anarchist? Is, is, that, yeah. is that how Encapistan is going to work? Are you guys going to have presidents too? 
Well, no, we wouldn't have a presence in Ancapistan, but uh, right now we definitely still have states, right? And the way you would destroy a state, a good way to do it, is to get elected into government and say, right, we're going to abolish Afuera, Afuera, right? Just abolish all these different industries. Uh, that's that's how the Bolshevists got into power. They they didn't say, we're going to start our own Bolshevik government, and we're not going to care about what you guys are doing, right? That would be far too... Um, uh, I forgot the other other word for adventurous. Uh, but, you know, it would be far too slow. Be speaking German far too much. Um, what you what you can do is you can maneuver your way into power, and then use that power to destroy the state. That's a very viable strategy, as evidenced by Malay's victory. Mm, mm. All right. Well, how about this, Jacob? In a year, can we bring this conversation back and we'll see uh, the report card of Malay if he uh, governs like an anarchist or a minarchist? Yeah, I would absolutely love that. Um, I'll write that down and obviously keep in touch with both of you. Um, but at the fear of this turning into a conversation about Argentina, which I would love to have with anybody, but that's not why we're here. Uh, the one question I do have, and we'll start wrapping up here soon, so I don't keep you guys too long. Um, the one question I do have is because this did kind of start with a, with a uh, comment about Hoppe. Um, the question is, is, in both of your guys' societies, how do we take care of communists? Or do we even have to take care of them? So I would say for my society, and after I've answered, I'm just going to go to the toilet real quick. Um, so the way you deal with them is by pushing a philosophy of freedom. And then, um, you know, by doing that, you're going to have fewer communists than otherwise. Uh, I don't think there's anything else you can do besides from convincing them. If they're going out committing crimes, then, yeah, prosecute them for their crimes. Yes, I'll be right back. Yeah, uh, my response uh, to that, uh, Jacob, is is pretty simple. Uh, if you were to take uh, Marx at his word, uh, he said that you could describe communism in one sentence, which is the abolition of private property. And so uh, I don't see how you could have a system such as the one that I've advocated for uh, uh, that that, uh, that puts property rights at, at, at the top of the list of the things that you want to protect, which, by the way, uh, it's the one thing that uh, Zulu and I do agree on is the importance of property rights. Uh, and so I just don't think that communists uh, would would be able to um, to go anywhere with their ideas. Now, you could, you know, just like the delusions that Zulu has, um, you know, in utopian fantasies, that's that's where that stuff would have to live is, uh, you, you know, and Kapistan and and uh, and, uh, uh, and and the communists would would just have to you know play their ideas out in their uh, fantasies, because in reality, you would have a system that rejects the idea uh, that you're going to abolish property ownership. And there, there's quite a few people that really do want to uh, do just that, uh, have conversations with them all the time. Uh, it's pretty interesting, especially in any time we've spent time on Clubhouse with each other, being able to uh, talk to those commies and, wow, do they just, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it at this point. Um, I did have somebody propose an interesting thing to me the other day, though, that uh, I guess why, why we're waiting for, for Zulu here. Um, they proposed the idea that the only 
it only being, you know, the focus point here, the only thing that matters is protection of private property rights. Nothing else outside of that. What, just hearing that, what, what do you think about that? Uh, can you repeat that? I'm sorry. Uh, it looks like Zulu's back. So we'll, we'll end on this one. Um, so the other day I had somebody propose to me um, that the only thing that matters is the protection of private property and the rights thereof to own it. Um, I'm not sure if I disagree or agree. Um, I'm still trying to work it out in my head, but the, the only part was the, the focus point of his statement. So it being the only thing that matters, um, would you guys agree or disagree? I'd say there are other things which matter in life than defending property. Um, as far as the law is concerned and the enforcement of it, then yes, that would be the only thing that matters. All rights, property rights. So uh, as far as that is concerned, then yes, that would be the only thing that matters. But, you know, there is morality outside of law. Uh, you should still be moral. Uh, I don't think you should be uh, shooting up heroin into your uh, cock vein uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? I think that's a bad thing to do, but you're not violating anybody's rights by doing it. It's just uh, you're, you're destroying your own life, which is, I think, bad. Yeah, I don't know if I would push back on any of that uh, unless I learned the benefits of shooting heroin into the cock vein, because uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that could be a good thing. I don't know. I, I don't know what the consequences of that are. Yeah, so the, the conversation was that I, I was proposing the idea that we do have an obligation to try and make our communities or our society better, or at the very least not make it fucking worse. That is, that is our responsibility and got a lot of pushback from, from this particular person, which of course I'm fine with. Um, but that, that had arose, arose through the conversation and I thought it was interesting, but on that note, I don't want to keep you guys too long. So I think we'll wrap up on that. Um, I want to thank you both very much for coming. I think this was a very productive and a, a very, a very awesome conversation. Um, you guys are both intellectual heavyweights, and uh, it, it was fun to see how this played out. So if you guys want to go ahead, give your plugs, let you know where people can find you or any projects you have going on or whatever you have, uh, go for it. Sure. So uh, the the main the main plug for me would definitely be the YouTube channel, just youtube.com forward slash liquid Zulu. I also have a course on libertarian ethics at liquidzulu.github.io. Uh, you can find it there. And I'm also making a wiki on that site, which is just liquidzulu.github.io forward slash brain. And you can find the wiki there. Um, hopefully, it's it's got it's got a decent number of articles at the moment, but it's mostly in metaphysics and epistemology. I'm working my way up. And eventually I'll be in like law and economics and more familiar topics. Cool. And then uh, I don't really have too much to promote. If anybody wants to ever chat, I'm typically on social audio apps like Clubhouse and Twitter spaces. Uh, you can find me. My handle on all of those is real Roger Mayhem. So if you want to chat about anything, look for me there. Right on, right on. 
Well, as far as me, you can find me at risetoliberty.com. You can find me on Twitter, uh, because it will never be X, at Rise to Liberty, just like under my name up here. Um, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, uh, Telegram, Instagram, spend a lot of time at all of these places. Risetoliberty.com slash links. Uh, we've got some pretty fun stuff coming up over on my channel. So go ahead, go over there, uh, check me out, hit the subscribe button. Uh, as far as this debate goes, hit that like button and share it if you found it uh, useful at all. Get it out there. Get conversations going in your corners of the world. And uh, other than that, that's pretty much it. So until next time, stay free, my friends. Thanks. Thanks, guys.